Calling all AEC professionals. Get ready for unparalleled professional insights with detailed and original podcasts by RCAD. This is the podcast that brings you the untold stories and lessons learned behind the design and delivery of a building project. Hey, it's Sharice Lakeside, aka the CSI Kraken, and your host. Join me as we dive deep into the tales of conflict, triumph, and sheer ingenuity. Yeah, so when Serena was named for the, it was going to be named for the building, you know, we really were able to work with teams at Nike Branding and how to really infuse her influence and identity in the very public spaces. Detailed features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who spill the beans on the most complex, interesting, and downright odd building conditions they've encountered. Another challenge of the of the shuttle is actually and putting it in launch position is how you brace that seismically. It's really supported by only two pins at the base of the booster rockets. And there's a large base isolator that's underneath the shuttle that kind of prevents it from moving too much in an earthquake. The, you know, when you have 600 people or 300 people in a room, acoustically, you really need a high floor to floor so that you can have the right acoustic environment for people to be able to talk and that, that speech intelligibility is really good. Every episode unveils lessons learned and connects you to the products you need to navigate similar challenges. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Detail today and be prepared for the unexpected on your next project. Every building has a story and we are here to tell it. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I'm joined by Patrick McLaney, FAIA, and former CEO of the international architecture firm HOK. This is Build Smart. After his time at HOK, Patrick, as he puts it, has been repurposed. Now, as the chairman of Building Smart International, Patrick will outline a new strategy for the building industry and so much more you'll find that there's a lesson in every episode. So Patrick, this episode is titled Our Shared BIM Future. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, what I mean by that is what you and I and everyone else was taught by our, usually by our mothers from the time we were little kids, which is sharing is a good thing. We were taught to share our toys with each other and so on basically to help each other. And uh, somehow, Mark, we got off track in the architecture profession and in the building industry generally, in that architects were trained not to share too much information with those contractors because those contractors were not quite trustworthy and they might come back and use the information to hurt the architect. If you think about what BIM is doing, especially open BIM, that Building Smart is now, supporting. Open BIM is basically giving the designer and the builder better information to allow their computer programs to more effectively and efficiently use that information to design and build better buildings and more efficiently build. I think of it like teamwork, like a, a sports team. If you ask me in my ideal sports team, it would be a team where 
maybe nobody's the star, but everybody really, really practices teamwork. So they pass the ball together, they block and tackle together, whatever it is, I would take that kind of team over a team with individual standout stars that all want to do their thing and to heck with everybody else. I think the teamwork approach wins more ball games. And I think teamwork will help the building industry as well. That's so that's what this is about. It's about sharing of information in this case. It requires some real adjustment, but we're up for it. I know we can do it. And so that's what this session is about today. Let's start with BIM, Building Information Modeling and Open BIM. Today, it's a funny thing, Mark. Advanced practices like my former firm, HOK, we use BIM every day. And we model our buildings in BIM. And we're getting very adept at working with engineers to more completely describe the building. So instead of drawings and specs, the old way, we build elaborate models of the buildings, not just in geometry, but with the properties and the relationships of objects so that we really are describing it's a combination of drawings and specs on steroids. So we do, we develop these very elaborate BIM models. And then because we're in a, an environment where the law is uh, mostly design, bid, build, when we have a design, bid, build project, we do a really bad thing, Mark. We actually take the BIM model and cut sections through it, basically print out 2D drawings and specs from the BIM model. We don't give the model to our contractors. We print out drawings and specs so that the contractor gets old fashioned drawings and specs to bid the job. That seems insane. I mean, if you think about, if you listen to the rest of the episodes that we've done earlier, and we've talked about the history of how buildings were built and the, the guilds and all of that, and how the process of communicating documents to contractors along the way, we've been doing it for hundreds of years on paper and cutting sections. And now we have this technology to create this model, this three-dimensional model that you can open up and look at and have information and has all the different pieces to it, but we don't share that model. We just take that and we convert it back into the paper that we've been using for all these years. Why do we not just transfer the architect's BIM model to the contractor instead and, and, and catch up to this technology that we have? Mark, that's an excellent question. And the, and the answer is because the law, law, especially regarding professional liability for the architect and the engineer, the, the design team, hasn't caught up with this evolving world of BIM. And so architects still go into the protect ourselves mode. We build a BIM, BIM model, then we dumb it down into drawings and specs and give it to the contractor for bidding. And then the contractor, as soon as they bid the job and there's a successful bidder, or even during bidding, guess what they do? They create their own BIM model using the drawings and specs as a basis. Now the drawings and specs are really, they're really superficial. They don't contain all that rich information that was painstakingly assembled by the design team. So the contractor will assemble their model. It won't be as thorough as the architect's model in the design sense, but it'll be quite thorough in the sense of what a contractor has to do. Uh, where can I order this piece of equipment? How long is it going to take to get it delivered? How heavy is it? So I have to have a crane to lift it into place. But we've got two different BIM models used to build one building. And that's because the law hasn't yet caught up to allow us to share the risk 
of designing and building a building together. So instead, we're still in our separate camps. This is changing. Certainly, it's changed dramatically in a lot of the Western European countries where uh, there is full sharing of BIM models between the design team and the build team. So they're more advanced than we are. I think we have a, uh, let's just say we have a stronger force of law gets written into the law and there are good attorneys that make a lot of, make a good living practicing construction law on both sides, on the construction and on the design side. So uh, we've got a little industry built up that exploits this difficulty. And so in order for us to reform ourselves, we need to eventually get the laws changed. And that means a longer process in getting building owners to insist on it. Once, once they insist on it, uh, it will change, but it will take some time. A lot of building owners have taken a short circuit. Instead of changing the law, they simply call in their preferred architect and contractor and say, look, I want to do this project uh, with you two but I want you to work together from the get-go. So let's develop a design-build contract where we share the risk in some appropriate way. And let's also share the reward. But I don't want the architect and the contractor to be cut off from each other. I want them to be fully engaged with each other because exchanging good information all the way during design and throughout construction is part of what results in a good building. So it is changing, it will take some time. And contractors, especially enlightened contractors, think about what they do, Mark. They take our BIM model, if they, if they could get our BIM model, then things like shop drawings, I wanna explain what a shop drawing is. When a building is designed by an architect, we design, I'm gonna say a schematic, a simplified diagram of maybe the ductwork or perhaps the structural, the steel skeleton. When the contractor gets to the point where they want to build that skeleton of that building, that steel skeleton, they will prepare or have a subcontractor prepare more detailed drawings called shop drawings. They're built for a shop where the steel is fabricated, which means it's cut to length, the holes are punched in it for the, the where the bolts go and, and fittings are welded to it to make the connections and so on. So all those need to be drawn, but instead of drawing them as separate drawings, just one more pile of paper, you can actually use the BIM model and just add to it, add the, the what used to be called shop drawings right into the BIM model. In computer parlance, that's called extending the model. The model gets richer because not only does it have the design of a skeleton, it also has the details of how the skeleton is going to be fabricated and uh, put together in the, at the job site. So it's a much richer, much more logical way where the information is all kept in one place and it simply flows from design and through construction. And then finally, wouldn't it be great, Mark, if at the end of construction, uh, many architects make some money by preparing what are known as as-built drawings for owners at the conclusion of construction. And again, for those who don't know, as-built drawings are drawings that reflect the actual end of construction. Maybe something got changed as the building was being built. Maybe we couldn't get a certain part, so we substituted another one. In the old way, they're reflected in a set of drawings, as-built drawings. Now we simply modify the model 
And uh, so the model as, it, as it's modified by the, the contractor or the architect as, as the building is proceeding, actually the as-built drawings are the finished model. So it's a, it's a rich, full model that shows every detail of the building from the inception of design all the way through to the last nut and bolt. That's the beauty of it. Computers are really good at juggling and keeping all this information and with IFCs enabling different software to read the same model, everybody can be a participant. There's no reason that we need to stop and build a new model when we go from design to construction. And if the model is turned over to the owner at the conclusion of construction, Mark, good things can happen. What happens traditionally is at the end of construction, the contractor and the architect send the owner lots of paper drawings and specifications and operating manuals for every piece of equipment and shop drawings. And for a good sized building that can actually fill up a pretty good sized room with paperwork. And the owner is supposed to use that pile of paper to operate the building. Well, you can imagine what happens. Yeah, I can't find something. I think that that file for that operating manual of the piece of equipment, uh, we took it out to the to that piece of equipment, we lost it. So now what am I gonna do? Well, now I have to go back and recreate information that was on a piece of paper that I've lost, or maybe got it got, maybe my dog ate my homework. So it's better if we keep it intact and keep it continuous from design through to construction and then through to the operation of the building all the way through its life cycle. And that information can be updated by the owner during the operating lifetime of the building, which might be 50 or more years. So that if something gets repaired or something gets changed or remodel of some of the rooms in the building, that becomes a change to the model. So there's always an up-to-date model for the owner to use. And there are very good softwares now, Mark, that enable owners to operate a building, not by having a human being read uh, instructions for how to operate, but having a computer actually read and understand how to turn the lights on and off for optimal energy efficiency, how to operate the air conditioning system to take advantage of uh, the temperature, outdoor temperature, and whether people are in a room or not, and, and on and on. So the computers can help us do these things efficiently, but only if we keep an intact BIM model for them to uh, interact with. That's the key to the whole thing. It's having information in a computer-readable form throughout the life cycle of the building. In order to build smart, you need to operate intelligently. If you feel frustrated wrangling all your spreadsheets to get a clear view of where your projects stand today, or you're tired of staring at poorly designed software that's just slowing you down, Monograph is here to help. Designed by architects for architects, the Monograph platform allows you to track your firm's time, projects, budgets, invoices, and payments all in real time. With their innovative visualization tool, MoneyGant, you can immediately see whether you're under or over budget. Need to easily adjust your team's time week to week? Their tool resource allows you to reallocate your team's time and track its impact on your remaining budget. Visit monograph.com today to see why hundreds of architecture firms call Monograph 
a game changer. Small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect Podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best, like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today, is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. It's fascinating to me, Patrick, that with the technology that we have today, that we spend, as architects, we spend months and months and months designing buildings and putting them together in a model and creating this, this model that has all the information you need to build this building. And then we take it and we blow it up and we tear it up and we put it into paper and we send it off to a contractor and then the contractor takes it and reassembles it back into, back into the technology that we have available. They go off and build it. And then at the end of that, we tear it all down again. We put it back into paper. We send that paper off to the to the owners. It's insane that that's how we're putting buildings together today. It is insane. It's a, it's a classic definition of insanity. Why are we doing this, Mark? Well, we're doing it because there's a conflict with um, uh, having to do with liability. And it was baked into the laws. And we have we have inertia. We've always done it this way. It's good enough. Let's continue to do it this way until something makes us change. I've been an advocate for this change, changing how we share information, but changing how we work together with information at the centerpiece of this and getting the computer into the proper position to help us do our jobs, to design and build and operate better buildings in a more efficient way. There's huge benefits if we just take these next steps. It's not all gloom and doom. There are changes afoot all over the world. Governments are waking up to this and endorsing open BIM standards, endorsing the IFC standard. In this country, it's happening with enlightened owners that are insisting on design build and insisting that they take possession of a BIM model that is readable at the end of construction so they can use it to operate the building. And as I pointed out in the previous session about IFCs, IFC files can be read years or even decades later so that a building owner that operates a building for 50 or more years 
can still get back and get to that data and have it readable and useful. It doesn't go away, Mark. That's the beauty of it. In the world of infrastructure in the United States, there's a, an association of all the state highway departments. It's a funny name, ASHTO, American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Basically, it represents the highway departments of every one of the 50 states in the United States. They have now adopted Open BIM. They've adopted the IFC standard, and they have mandated that each highway department is now going to mandate that the engineers, the designers of their highways, turn over BIM models to the contractors who are going to build their highways, and that they receive at the end of construction an enhanced BIM model that contains all of the design and construction information to allow that highway department to maintain that, that road or that bridge or that tunnel or that overpass, whatever it is. And if they have to modify it or change it later, they have all the information. So ASHTO is a new breakthrough for uh, the United States construction market in infrastructure. And that same thing is happening in Europe and in Asia. The infrastructure world is waking up faster, I think, than maybe the building world, perhaps because the owners are bigger owners. Uh, infrastructure spending is dwarfs building construction spending in this country and in, around the world, actually, about two to one. And infrastructure owners tend to be big. A lot of them tend to be government owned or government chartered in some way. So perhaps they're better positioned to mandate this. So we still have some work to do to overcome it, but market's a no brainer. Yeah, we're making progress. It sounds like we have all the pieces in place, right? The technology is there. The organizations are in alignment on, on a conceptual level, we just need to get some laws changed. And that's just going to require us to put a little pressure on the lawmakers in order for those changes to be made. You know, that shared BIM future can become a reality. So I'm really excited about that. Just like our mothers taught us. That's just right, like Mark. our mothers taught us. <laughs> be before we wrap up today's episode, um, maybe you can share your lessons from this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first one is don't throw away the rich information in the architect's BIM model. It's actually criminal to do so. It, we put a lot of work into it, save it, keep it, share it, allow it to be used later on down the road. Number two, pass the model along to our contractor friend. Remember friend, not opponent, for continued use and expansion or extension so that the contractor will add richness to that model with the actual results of construction. Number three, the contractor adds shop drawings, as-built, and much more as additions to the BIM model as uh, the contractor does their work. Number four, don't throw that model away. Pass it to the owner. Pass the BIM model to the owner at the end of construction. And the owner, number five, will be able to use that BIM model for maintenance and operations, future expansion, uh, and more for the lifetime of the building, including at the end of life, recycling the components of that building so they could be reused, recycled. So it's a green idea and it's all the heart of it all is sharing the information again, just like our mothers taught us when we were little, little children. It's the way it should be. It absolutely is. It's a no brainer.
to continue the story, come back next week for the next episode of Build Smart. So we're going to talk about the true value of design. Bim, bam, boom. Come back next week for that. We normally think about the cost of building as what's it cost to construct it? Design and construct is a is a capital cost. And then what's it cost to operate it is a is an operating cost. And they're usually by accountants are kept in two buckets, capital budget and a operating budget. So if you look at the total cost of a building and let's say assign that a value of 100%, maybe I'm gonna last, that building will last 50 years. Whatever that number is, it's in the millions for larger buildings. It could be in the hundreds of millions. Let's say it's 100%. Well, how much is the value of design if you, if you measured all that out? And I will tell you that design is 1% if it's, if it's that. It's probably a fraction. Thank you for listening. Season two of Build Smart Podcast has been made possible in part by Building Smart International, the worldwide industry body driving the digital transformation of the world's built assets. Learn how Building Smart International is impacting our world and how you might get involved at buildingsmart.org. This podcast is a Gable Media production and is produced by Demetrius Lynch Jr. Gable Media is the home of curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. You can listen in, subscribe, and find more content like this from our network partners at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. How familiar are you with the hidden forces shaping our world? Learn about the spaces you occupy every day with Spaces Podcasts, a journey through the design, construction, and the impact of our evolving environments. Hi, I'm Demetrius Lynch, host of Spaces, and I'm thrilled to take you on a ride through the intersections of environment, politics, culture, and economy. Join me and leading industry professionals as we uncover the stories behind the spaces that shape societies, past, present, and future. Today, there's a certain amount of cynicism and and kind of general malaise. Maybe many practices should come together and think about common goals, solving some of the major issues of the day. If I'm not mistaken, am I seeing like a wallpaper that is imitating books in some places? Yeah, I have to say, now we are in peace with this. But (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe now by following the link in the show notes and let's unravel the secrets of our built world together. Spaces Podcasts. Go beyond the everyday because spaces shape society. Spaces.